All right, the tough sayings of Jesus. I'm, we're going to begin today by talking about uh, worry. Jesus actually said, do not worry, right? But like, it seems like as human beings, we, we can't get through a day. That's like saying, do not breathe, you know, because we, we are prone to worry, right? And some of us in here worry considerably more than others. We're standing here at the beginning of 2018. And you do not know the problems that you're going to face uh, in the next 12 months. You, you, you don't know what they are. Because God allows the future to come to us in bite-sized pieces. He allows the future to come to us in 24-hour increments. And even in these tiny bite-sized pieces, we worry. We, we worry. And we think that we actually anticipate. We worry about stuff that hasn't happened and probably won't happen. But we think that if we can reach into the future with our worry, we can somehow impact the future. It's ridiculous, but we all do it. Truth of the matter is that worry will not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. Worry only empties today of its strength. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and your body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus is saying something so simple, and he just, he goes around about to say it. He's saying that you do not need to worry because you have a heavenly father who values you so much, who promises to take care of you. That's it. There is a two-word question that has haunted, tormented the human race since the Garden of Eden. Two, two, two words, two words that will, will tie up your brain. Two words that will knot up your heart. Two words that will take away your sleep, that will take away your peace. And those two words are, what if? What if? What if I never get married? What if? You know how much energy what if takes from your life? And then when you get married, what if my marriage falls apart? What if, what if I get sick? What if, what if I get a brain injury? What if I'm institutionalized because I can't look after myself? What if... Or what if I never get well? Or what if the economy turns? And what if I lose my job? What if, what, if, what, if, what if I can't pay my bills? What if? What if? There is an endless list of what ifs. See, your mind is your power. Did you know that? Your mind is your power and the enemy wants your mind. The battleground between heaven and hell is your mind. 
And, and, and if you allow your mind to become paralyzed by what if, your entire life been commuted. If you live in the fear of what if, you will never let go of the edge of the pool. You'll never learn how to swim. If you allow your life to be dominated by what if. See, if I were the enemy and I wanted to neutralize your power, I would find a way to distract your mind so significantly, I would worry you to death. I would give you so much to worry about. I would worry you so much that you would lose your passion, that you would lose your purpose. I would sift you like wheat with worry. I would get you worried about the fact that you are nothing and that you may never become anything. And then when you become something, I would worry that you would fall off of that place and become nothing again. I'd worry you. If you didn't have anything, I'd, I'd, I'd make you worry that you would never have anything. And then when you have something, I would make you worry that somebody's gonna take it from you. That's what I would do if I wanted to neutralize you. You see, you are actually free only to the degree the truth reigns in your mind. I didn't say passes through your mind flickers in your mind to the degree that the truth of who God is in your life reigns, dominates your mind to the degree that you know who you are created to be, to the degree that you know what he called you to be, to that degree you will be free in your mind. And it's an interesting thing, you know what, it takes a for me, I'm a little bit slow on the uptake, but it, it took me figuring out what I'm not to figure out what I am. Have you have gone through that process? I realized, listen, I am one, probably the most unorganized person I know. I'm scattered in my thinking. There's a thousand things I've discovered I cannot do. I'm a good talker because I talk all the time. It never ends. In fact, that's the way I think by talking. I don't think before I talk. Well, that would ruin the experience. You know what? I talk so I know what I'm thinking. Oh, there it is. Oh, that's what you were thinking. When you figure out what you are, it sets you free to move around freely in that role, in that function, in that place. For me, I had to figure out who I was not before I could figure out who I was. You're not going to learn the truth. Truth will not reign in your mind by looking at the shifting sands of circumstances. Truth will reign in your mind by looking at the one who created you in his image. If you want to know what you look like, you're created in his image. Jesus said this, he said to the people that were believing in him, he said, if you will stick with my words, he said, then you will experience for yourselves the truth. And once you've touched truth, it sets you free. Once you've experienced who God put you on this planet to be, then you know what? You can dance like nobody's watching and you can do it every day. It sets you free. 
Another word for truth, uh, Jesus uses the metaphor of light. He says this, it's kind of a, just before he starts talking to us about worry and, and, and trust, he says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is single, your whole body shall be full of light. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking about the, the focus of your thought life. He's talking about the focus of your thought life. You see, the very thing that causes your eye to be single is focus. Double vision is when you believe in Jesus, but you cannot take your eyes off of your worry. It's when you believe, when you are so torn in two because you believe that God is your provider, but you are so afraid that you will not have enough. It's that you believe that he is enough, but, but, but you are so not enough. And your faith in your inability trumps your faith in his power. It's when God is big, but your what if is even bigger. You see, that's what it's like to be double-minded. That's what Jesus is saying we are not called to be. He says, consider the, the lilies Consider the birds. Consider the grass. They don't worry. And yet here you are, created in the image of God. Here you are, sons and daughters of God. Why do you worry? And I submit to you, you worry because your mind is the battlefield between heaven and hell. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul says this. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, cast down imaginations, and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Can you see that what he is talking about here, the weapon is the truth. The weapon is the word of God. There's a very interesting I've, I've talked about this before. If you look at this from strongholds to imagination to thoughts, that is a cognitive pattern. Because every thought, when you take a thought, let's say the th a thought of God's provision, his faithfulness. So you've got debt and bills that aren't being paid and a job that you just lost. That's over here. On this side, you, 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 you're a believer and you believe in a God that is, he called himself Jireh, my provider. And he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can trust me. And so you, you, you but, but you don't have any money and you do have bills and you have this. Well, whichever one of these you decide to focus on, this is what happens. You take a thought and you begin to focus on that thought. And another word for focus is meditation. Meditation is the magnifying glass of the soul. Whatever you focus on will become larger. And you begin to focus in a thought. Then something happens at some point in time when you've taken a thought and you're going, I'm not letting go of this. I'm trusting you, Lord, that you are my provider. I'm trusting you that you are faithful. The whole Bible's full of stories where you showed yourself faithful. Then all of a sudden it drops onto the canvas of your imagination and your imagination is an amazing thing. Because when it hits your imagination, it goes 3D. When it hits your imagination, it starts to actually breathe. When it hits your imagination, it becomes a revelation. And now this is a living thing. And the more you interact with this thought, 
the more you interact with the understanding of his faithfulness and his provision, then what happens, it becomes a stronghold in your mind. See, God wired us this way. He created us this way because once it's a stronghold in your mind, then you'll try anything. You'll, you'll, you'll trust the Lord for anything he calls you to do because you know that you know at the very core of your being, he is faithful. It's why God said to Joshua when he sent him into the promised land, he said, meditate on this word, my words, day and night, that, that you may do all that is written in it. And he said, because then you'll prosper and then you'll have good success. See, God was sending Joshua God was sending Joshua into a land. Um, and, and he was giving the land to the nation of Israel. But the people who were living in the land and built cities in the land uh, actually thought it was their land. Funny the way that is, right? And, and, and God said, it's my land. And I'll give it to whoever I want and I'm giving it to you. But Joshua, you don't get distracted by the size of their cities, by the strength of their armies. Don't get distracted because you start focusing on that. It'll become a thought, which will become an image, which will become a stronghold. And you'll be defeated in your mind before you even get there, which happened once before. He said, you keep your thoughts focused on me and my words because your power isn't in this army that you're leading that hasn't ever fought a single battle because the generation had died off. And now there's this new generation and these guys are just wearing their dad's armor. They'd never actually fought a war. Your strength is not in this virgin army. Your strength is in my word to you. That's where your strength is. Because no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every word that rises up will fall in the face of God's word to you. Um, My kids are like 31 and 30 years old. When Michael, our oldest, was two, he got real sick. His lungs weren't developing. And Michael... uh, had trouble breathing. He could barely, it was like he was having a perpetual asthma attack. And the first time this happened, we freaked right out. We were out of town and we like, rushed him to the children's hospital in Calgary and, and they kept him for a long time and they did lots of tests on him and they, and, 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 and they found out he's allergic, allergic to just about everything. And as a young dad, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm, what does this mean? Is he going to be a bubble boy? Is, is he going to live in an, in, in an environment where it's got to be 100% sterile or he can't live? Like, what, what does this mean? And they didn't really have a lot of answers for us, but they said that, that this is incredibly serious. They had him hooked up to tubes and he was young. He didn't, he was terrified by all the oxygen things coming in and we were able to take him home eventually, but then they said, you have to, gave us some liquid. And he said, if he seizes, you have to get this liquid into him and then get him back here. And so for months, my wife and I took turns all night sitting beside our, our son and we just watch him wheeze. 
Just watch them wheeze. And at first, you just go crazy. The what ifs just about eat your lunch. They, 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 they almost drive you out of your mind. What if he dies? What if, what if, he, what if he never has a normal life? What if, what if? And pretty quickly, I figured that that wasn't being terribly productive. I knew enough even back then that, that the word of God was the only place I would ever find comfort. The presence of God was the only place I'd ever find any peace. I wasn't actually even asking God to heal him. I was just trying to, to figure everything out. And I remember for the nights that I watched my, my son, I would just read the word, just wash my mind with the water of God's word. And, and, and eventually there, there would come a rest and a peace. And, and I'd have to stay in that as long as I could. I wasn't used to hearing God's voice. I, I was a Baptist and uh, we, we kind of, thought people that heard other voices were schizophrenic. And, um, and so I, I uh, up until that time, I, but one night, um, these words, they just rolled into my heart and they were so loud that I couldn't ignore them. I'm going to heal your son on May the 8th. Okay. Why don't you just heal him now? You know? <laughs> Are you busy? You know, are you all tied up till May the 8th? You know what? Couldn't you clear the calendar just for a little? And, and I told my wife that I think I heard God. Now, we would never tell anybody else that I had heard these things, okay? She feared for my sanity anyway. And, um, but then I began to do something in, in by faith. When, when it was all day, I began to thank God out loud that May the 8th is coming. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I began to praise God by faith. I began to worship him by faith. I, get, I just, just, just loved on the Lord by faith. What a great day that's going to be amazing. May the 8th is coming. So many days left. 10 days left. 8 days left. And you know what? On May the 8th, I was actually speaking in Ottawa. And so I knew I wouldn't even be there. And by this time, our faith had grown a little bit, and we dared to tell our par my parents. And, and, and so now the, all of us are celebrating, and we're pretty pumped, and May the 8th is coming. My wife said on May the 8th, she got up early, and she's watching our son, and, and he wakes up from his sleep, and he gives the biggest yawn, like he's been sleeping for six months. And he gets up, and he starts to play, and he's playing, and she's watching everything, right? And now he's playing, and then, then, then he starts playing a little more robust, and then he starts playing a little louder, and then he starts playing a little bigger. And now we know, she says, now she could see something was very, very different. Well, I flew in later that night, and I hadn't been in contact with Marcy all since I got to Ottawa. And uh, we, I got to the airport, and she was there with our youngest, and, our, and Michael, I, he wasn't there. I didn't see him. And my heart just sank. I thought, my parents are watching him at home because nothing happened. And so I said to Morris, Mike, how, how, how's Mike? She goes, he's over there. And he's, he's in the, uh, what is it, the games room there. The, and uh, and uh, he sees me and he comes running. He comes running for 20 yards. My son couldn't walk 20 steps before. 
We carried him everywhere he went. And he comes, his fat little body, he comes hauling down the, 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 the airport and he jumps into my arms. And that day I knew there is a word that is more powerful than sickness. There is a word that is more powerful than disease. That word is what God's word is to you and me. And the devil does not want you to hear that word. He doesn't want you to hold on to that word. He wants to get you so distracted you never hear any of those words. You have nothing to hold on to. Now let me tell you something. When you finally start to walk in the direction of you sense God calling you or pulling you in a certain direction, worry will come to you and say, you, seriously, this isn't you. This is somebody, that's for other people. That isn't you. You will fail. I promise you will fail. And when you fail, you will be rejected. To which the father says, I'll never fail you. I will never, ever reject you. I'll never forsake you. And the worry comes along and says, you're worthless. You know that, right? Like you're just a big poser. That's what you are. And the word of the Lord comes to you and says, you're priceless. I made you just the way you are. Worry says, you can't do it. And the father says, you can do all things through Christ. And all of a sudden, you have to decide which of these you are going to give the magnifying glass of your soul to. Which of these are you going to focus on? Because the war that is being waged for your life is being fought on the battleground of your mind. Psalmist said, entrance, it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Whatever's pressing down on you right now, Whatever is threatening you, whatever is causing you to worry, the answer can be found in the word of God. And that might be your call. The word of God promises that God is reliable. He's trustworthy. He's, he's, he's absolutely dependent, dependable. His tr promises are true. You see, you may not know what to do next, but you know the one who does, and that's enough. And you can put your faith in him. One of the most powerful things that I learned in that situation with Michael, and I've carried that through, uh, and, and you've lived, I've lived, and you, you, life is full of disappointments, lots of challenges. Um, one of the things I've learned to do is to worship out loud. Worship his faithfulness out loud in the middle of my pain. In the middle of my mess. In the middle when nothing's going right. I will lift up my voice and I will begin to declare his worth. His faithfulness. His goodness. To, to, to begin to declare the promises of God out loud. When you're still broke and you're still sick and you're still hurting. And to celebrate them. Because when you worship by faith, by the way, when you worship Jesus after everything works out and the car comes home, the truck comes home, the horse comes home, the dog comes home, the wife, when it all comes home and everything's good and then you start worshiping Jesus, that's, that, that's thankfulness, that's gratitude. But when, when, when your world is not all together and you are worshiping him for his faithfulness, that's faith. 
And the beauty of this is that you'll never live beyond your level of faith. And so God takes us through stuff and our faith rises. He takes us through more stuff and our faith rises. He takes us through more stuff. And every time it's the same word, it's the same God. And our muscle, our faith muscle just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You see, when you are worshiping by faith, you're calling your heart to focus on the answer. When you're worshiping by faith, you're reminding your heart that you are not orphaned. This is not all on you. You don't have to pull. You have a father who has never left your side. So in 2000, I'm going to invite the band to come on up. In 2018, this would be my charge to us to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. I think that means walk. Keep your heart tender towards him. Walk closely with him at the level of your heart. To love him with all of your soul, with your essence, with, your, with, with who you are. And to love him with your mind. preferring him, preferring his word to the circumstances, to the other things that want to distract you. You know, um, I, I shared this in the first service. You know, the last four years, my family has been through stuff. I'm not suggesting for a second that my pain and my struggle is any different than yours. I'm, I'm recognizing that we all share this human experience, but we've been through some stuff. And when you go through it, it's one thing, but then you watch your kids go through it. That's really hard. And honestly, there were so many times that I, I, I didn't have an answer. And I'm, I'm supposed to be the one telling you that there is an answer, but I, my hope was gone. And the only thing that I had to hold on to was the word of God. And when my kids' marriages were breaking up, all I could do was declare the word of the Lord over their hearts, over their marriages. When sickness, just my wife just been beat up so much and there's no real rhyme or reason. What do you do? You just begin to declare. All I knew to do was to say, you are faithful and you can see past this cultural moment. I can't see past today, but you can see right through to eternity and you know what you're doing and I trust you. You said you would begin a good work in us and that you would complete that work and I'm believing that for my kids and I'm believing that for their wives and I'm believing that for my wife and my grandkids. I'm believing that for me. And him and I, I never do this while I'm walking out in the neighborhood because they <laughs> just think you know, I'm batshit crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's where you fight the battle. That's how you fight the battle. I'm going to pray this. Psalm 19, verse 7, 8 says, Hold tightly to these words. Hold tightly to his words that are perfect in reviving the soul. 
that are trustworthy, that make wise the simple, that give joy to the heart, and that give light to the eyes. Why don't we stand together and we'll pray. that and go, that, that some of you came into the room today and your heart's heavy and there's it's hard to worship but Father we declare that you are faithful because your word declares that you are faithful and we thank you Father that, that when you said seek first your kingdom because it's a realm that, that, that is higher than our realm Father, there's wisdom there that we need for our problems today in this realm. And so I pray in Jesus' name, would the comfort from your kingdom come and touch people's lives right now that are really hurting and that are under it. I pray, Father, that peace would come to those who are really struggling in finances. And for those who are struggling in their health, Father, I pray today, Lord, that you would give them hope, that you would give them your presence, that you would give them their healing. these things, Father, we give you our focus. We give you our attention. In Jesus' name.